Are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring you news, sometimes we make you laugh. Most of the time, we go deep. And today's no different. I'm Cosmomom09, with me is Sharon D, Lazy Gardener, and Dave's in the background too. We have a very special guest with us today. You know her as Charlie from The Walking Dead. She's also Georgia, middle school, worst days of my life, and Ellie in Fist Fight, Alexa Nisenson. Thank you guys so much for having me. You guys are the best, and I'm so excited to be on. We're happy you're here, and I also want to take a second to um, thank you for being in our Secret Santa video this past Christmas. I love doing that. I had the best time. Everybody was so excited when I told them you were joining, and it was it was so much fun. It was great. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me do that. We'll be including that Secret Santa video in the description. When everybody uh, found out you were going to be in it, they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm so happy it was okay. We rented Fist Fight on Amazon, and it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Oh, yes. Loved it. <laughs> it was great. I'm so glad. It was such an incredible cast of hysterical people. Um, can you tell us what it was like working with uh, Tracy Morgan, Charlie Day, Ice Cube? It, it was incredible. Truly just such an honor that I was able to share the screen with them. They were some of the kindest people and most humble people I've ever met and worked with. The talent in the room at all times was incredible. And honestly, just getting to watch them work, it was just the best experience ever. I had the best time. It was one of the first things I had ever worked on and it was just such a treat. I love going back and watching. We still watch it all the time here because it's just like, <laughs> So much fun sometimes they'll be playing like reruns of it on tv it just makes me so happy every time i see it i think i was eight when i did it and it ah. was just incredible i loved it i'm planning on having my husband watch it <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm mine too mine too yeah so i have a fan question from brian castrillo at bc castrillo on instagram he says he loves charlie and he wants to know what it was like filming the rap song in fist fight filming the rap song was so much fun. I um, actually auditioned with a different song, and then once we started filming, they were like, "Okay, this is the this is the Big Sean song we're doing." And I was practicing it all day, every day around the house. I worked with a choreographer for all the dance moves. A little behind the scenes thing. We recorded it in a studio, and we were gonna do that. And then on the day, they were like, "Can you do it live?" And I was like, all right, I'll do it live. <laughs> I used to be a competitive dancer, so I loved getting to dance on stage and do it with Charlie. And I love to sing, but rapping, that was a different, a different, whole different game, but I loved it. It was <laughs> so, so much fun. I got to meet Big Sean because he invited me to one of his concerts and he's like, <sighs> The coolest, so incredible. So like just the whole experience is such a dream. I loved getting to do that. Everybody always asks about the rap song. Yeah. But was it actually harder for you to do the song from Rent in that timid little voice than yeah. it was for you to do the rap song? Over the years, I think I've gotten more comfortable and confident in my singing voice. And my voice has actually gotten less raspy over the years. I still have a raspy voice, but when I was younger, even around like eight or nine, my voice was really raspy. It was really hard for me to sing and it was only like I don't know maybe 20 30 seconds of me singing but that was much harder than actually rapping rapping was like <laughs> oh all right I got this I love this you said you did some dancing too do you still dance it's been a while since I danced in a studio or anything but um I still dance around my house all the time I do TikTok dances like and stuff at home <laughs> but um my mom and dad put me in dance when I was like two and then I was doing it up until I was around seven or eight and then some other girls from the dance studio were doing like commercials and stuff. 
And I was like, mom, I want to do it. I want to try acting. And I, can I do an acting class? And she was like, mm, I don't know. She kind of just thought it was like a phase and I was going to like grow out of it. And then I was very persistent and asked her every day to try acting classes and meet with an agent. I was really wanting to do it. And she was like, all right. And that's how I, I transitioned into acting. And then eventually I was like, it's really hard. Like competitive dance, it's pretty much all day, every day, you know, after school. So it was just way too hard to kind of keep that up. And I was like, I want to give this up so I can do acting full time. And I still, a couple of years ago, I used to take dance classes like a couple of times a week, but obviously with, you know, how the world has been in the last year, that's not really, nobody's doing that anymore. So um, it's been a really long time since I've actually danced, but I still dance around the house and hopefully when it's safer, I can get back into a studio and do it. I'd still love it. <laughs> so Alexa, you've been homeschooled for a few years now and yeah. I also homeschool my son. And so we're, yeah. we're very familiar with the challenges of homeschooling, but we don't have a film schedule to work around. So how is that for you doing school and working around filming? So I actually uh, recently graduated high school. Um, I, I graduated Congratulations. early. Congratulations. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> over quarantine, I there was absolutely nothing to do. So I was just like, I'm going to take the time and work really hard and complete all my courses. Just in the past couple of months, I, you know, I don't have any more school to do, so I'm not doing school on set. But before that, for the past couple of years, I was doing homeschool and working on set. So it can be challenging at times, I think, finding the balance when you're on set, because when you're a minor, you have a set teacher who's there to help you with your school and just look out for you, kind of like a welfare person along with your parent. So there's a certain amount of hours every day that they carve out for, for school. And for me, I struggled for a little bit to find the balance of like, all right, sometimes you'll go from doing a really emotional scene and then you get kind of pulled out for a second and then you've got to focus on school. So you have to really kind of make sure that you're balancing everything out. Like, all right, you know, you have your, your work and that, and you also have to focus on school. So I think it's all about like over time, you will get that balance, but there are some days where it, it was challenging. And also a lot of the times, like you'll just want to go and like sit and talk to your cast in the cast camp, but you, you know, you have to go do school. And, you know, I had an incredible set teacher who I, I love very much and made it so much fun. You're on a schedule, but for me, it just kind of took time for me to, to find the balance of having my focus on, on each of those things. You're having to do a lot of comp compartmentalizing for yes, at such a young exactly. age. I mean, like you said, going, filming a, you know, a sad scene or a very emotional yeah. scene and then going into geometry, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And that was that, you know, just kind of like, all right, I was just crying. Now let me go focus on school. So let me <laughs> right. kind of, yeah, exactly. It was a lot of compartmentalizing, but it does kind of just, and I think for me being on a show, like you're doing it over and over and over again every day. So I think just over time you get into a routine and that does help. Was your schooling a lot more maybe on like the Montessori side of things where you, as you excel in certain subjects, you, you take more of that subject, let's say, or was it more of a loose kind of like as, as you acclimate or do better in one subject, they throw more at you? For my program, it was kind of uh, based on what you are, you know, excelling with and that's what you kind of focus on. And, you know, I kind of worked with my set teacher and my parents to decide what you know, we wanted to prioritize for me and what lessons were really the most important. And I've always loved English. So, you know, I threw a lot of that in and 
I struggled with math for a little bit for the longest time. And my stat teacher was incredibly helpful and was really played like the biggest part in me getting better at math and being able to to get ahead in that too. So we kind of at the start of the school year prioritized, you know, which lessons were the most important and what we wanted to really focus on and then just kind of take it from there and, and see how you're going. With my son's school, he has like his four core subjects and then he has some extras too, um, like music. Yes. Did you have a music class as well? Yeah, I did. I did. Oh. I absolutely love music. I, I love to sing. I play a little bit of keyboard. So my set teacher really let me uh, incorporate that on set. So I'd bring like a little mini keyboard to, to <laughs> set some things and in the trailer. He taught me how to play a little bit and we do like a little music concert for everybody. <laughs> He'd let me kind of pick something that I was really interested in. I love makeup. So we did a whole like um, makeup course and building like a, a makeup brand course. So I definitely was able to do more creative artistic stuff in there as well. How many instruments do you play? Because we've also seen you play the banjo on Fear. I learned how to play the banjo lately. Yes. So <laughs> yes. that was really cool. I got to do that. I did it twice, as you guys saw. One time in, in season five and then one time in the beginning of season six, in episode two. Mm -hmm. I worked with a Vanderlei teacher and I had a bunch of lessons and I was very nervous because I was, you know, it's very different from keyboard, but it was so cool. I love that on this show, I've gotten to learn how to do so many different things. I learned how to ride a horse and I'm always getting to just do such like crazy things along with my acting. And that's one of the best parts about this show, I think. And that's why it's so cool. But those are the only two I play as of right now. But I would love to expand that in the future. It seems like fear is an adventure every day. And it's exactly like that on set. We're always doing new things and in the middle of nowhere, these like abandoned <laughs> places and doing um, a lot of action. And it's, it's intense, but a lot of fun. So now that you've graduated high school, what what is next? Do you are you going to pursue college courses? I haven't officially decided on that yet. Right now, I'm not doing anything, but um, definitely possibility for the future. But right now, I'm just kind of uh, enjoying that that time in between <laughs> and um, being able like to film a little bit on on set and just kind of take that extra time to be with my cast and get to like talk to them and just kind of you know, have it not be in my head during the day and really get to take right. that extra time right. to focus on my work was, was really a cool change. And um, it's, you know, honestly, I've really grown up the past couple of seasons on the show. So I think it was crazy for like the cast to be like, oh my gosh, Alexa, like you're not 11 anymore. It's crazy. I, I don't know exactly for the future if that's in uh, in my plans, but right now just kind of enjoying the in-between time for sure. You've earned it. Take yeah. some downtime. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Rachel and I have been rewatching, oh, another friend of ours has been watching rewatching season four and Me going too. back and seeing little Charlie is like, oh my gosh, she's so, she's so little. She's so little. No. You know what's so crazy? The last couple of nights I've been, this is so weird. I've actually been going back and watching a couple episodes from season four. And I was <laughs> just thinking that I just said to my mom, I look so little here. It's crazy. <laughs> I started when I was 11 and I'm turning 15 in a couple months. So really just very formative years on the yes. show. Even like my voice, my face, it's 
it's so crazy. And just like having those formative years documented pretty much, it's great to be able to go back and, and watch. I, um, I have another fan question for you. This is from David Carranza at comic book boy underscore on Instagram. He says, how did you land the role of Charlie? I got a self tape audition, which is a, an audition you film yourself at home. The name actually wasn't Charlie at first. I actually think I did like a little sit down. Sometimes they ask you to do like a little chat video and just kind of talk about yourself. And I remember doing that. And then um, it wasn't too soon after that I got the call that I'd booked it. And originally the character was only supposed to be uh, a couple episodes. I was supposed to come in and do four or five episodes, I believe. And uh, was just kind of going back and forth from, from Austin to LA. And then it just kind of continued after a couple episodes. I was like, I'm, you know, about to be done with the show. And then they were like, all right, we're going to pin you again for, for next episode. And I was like, oh, really? And then that just <laughs> kept happening. And then in season five, I became a series regular. So it just kind of was supposed to be this quick little thing that I did. And it turned into something so much bigger and greater. And it's been an incredible and wild journey. Over time, I just kind of kept coming back. And I was like, okay, my character hasn't died yet. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, that just kind of kept happening until the end. They were like, we would love to have you back for season five as a series regular. I'm glad they didn't drop Charlie because I feel like she's really getting to a point where she can add a lot to the show. In 607, she saves Alicia three times. And I, she's just a little she's just a little badass. And we can explore where she's come from, from season four to now. Even just like watching it back and for me to do. And I've just like grown up along with her, I think. And that's really cool. And watching the, the character develop over the past couple of seasons has been wild. And like you said, we've really gotten to explore the whole redemption arc and just see all these different levels of Charlie. And she really has grown into a big protector of, of her group. And we are going to see that carry over <laughs> into um, 6B. We're going to see her continue to do what she has to do to to protect her, her family, her group, the people that took her in. And I think we've really gotten to see her just work so hard to prove herself to, to the group and also prove to herself that she's strong and, and she can grow and learn from what she's done. Um, I have a question from Alania Stevens, who's in our audience right now. And she okay, would like fine. to know if you have ever met Melissa McBride. I have never met Melissa McBride, although I would love to. I feel like we've we probably crossed paths at some point at maybe an event <laughs> or a Comic-Con or something, but we haven't actually formally met yet. So hopefully sometime soon. Rachel was just on Talking Dead last week with Melissa. You were? Yes. I was. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I got to ask Melissa a question on Talking Dead. It was pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I'll have to watch. I have another question from Pigeon at Daryl's.Moonshine on Instagram. How do you feel about Charlie? Are you team Charlie? That's a really interesting question, and I don't know if I've ever actually been asked how I feel about Charlie. Of course, it's the character that I've, along with the writers and Ian and Andrew and, and everybody else, it's the character that I've brought to life and created. So, of course, she has a very special place in my heart. And I am Team Charlie at this point. <laughs> I'm probably biased. And I think even filming and obviously being the one to say these lines and do these actions, I 
and seeing her her grow on on such an intense level and honestly at this point i truly am team charlie and i'm always rooting for her like while i'm filming i'm like come on girl you got this i just have loved getting to see her grow into a very strong valuable member of the team and to see a lot of the other characters realizing it too and getting to create these really special bonds with some of the other characters has been great. Obviously, of course, her, her relationship with Alicia, but also her bond with Daniel and Strand. Her bond with everybody is so different and unique in their own way because she's so dimensional. She has so many layers and it's just been such an incredible journey with the fans too. I'm Team Charlie at this point. Has that always been the case? Because I can see a world in which you would be kind of like, I'm not sure what this character is supposed to be or how I feel about this character not yeah. not bad or good but maybe just because of the events I think in the beginning I was also so young that I was just kind of finding my footing within the character and, and kind of finding my way so I don't think I really developed my feelings for Charlie one way or another till probably the end of the season coming into season five I was like I really want to start making Charlie a strong character and that's only developed from there so I definitely think throughout season four I was like I said still kind of finding my footing with Charlie and seeing how I wanted to portray her episode to episode so I definitely think it took time for me to kind of develop that all right team Charlie let's be strong <laughs> and, and prove to everyone that Charlie is a valuable member so it definitely took some time do you feel like you have learned any lessons from Charlie obviously we are very very different I think the one thing is like she's very brave and also learning like just to see a young woman go through some of these things and still be so strong I've learned like okay if she can do it and get through what she's getting through I can handle what I'm going through so she's she's very strong I feel like that sometimes I have to remind myself like hold on Charlie is she's strong she's been through a lot like she was out there on her own she was you know manipulated by the group the vultures and you know forced into some some bad situations and she has really just persevered and and just kind of showed her strength and grown up to be very strong and I admire that a lot it's very crazy to think about a little 11 year old girl. I don't, I wouldn't be able to handle that situation that she's in. So I, I've learned to be a little bit more, more tough and strong. And I feel like we all through our characters look at situations differently. We never really saw Charlie be as Charlie as she, as she was until like maybe about near Tamid where she really yeah. showed up and I yeah. really, really enjoy that performance. And we Thank got a lot out of that when we're breaking that episode down, by the way. Yeah. That episode was definitely a very pivotal moment for Charlie in that she made it her mission. She wanted to find a place for her group. She wanted to be the one to be like, I I did it, I proved to myself, I proved to you guys that I could do it. And I think that whole episode was a, a big journey for her. And I think, like you said, that was a moment for me where I was like, Charlie really wants this. She wants to be strong. And I think from then on, she has really continued on that path and it's only made her stronger. Do you think at the end of Near to Me that maybe she felt that maybe they, they couldn't ever find a place? The synagogue didn't work and the stadium didn't work. Yeah. So Even though she's strong, she still, just like everybody else, has her doubts and her moments. At that point, she was close to giving up on finding a place. So yeah, I think just like everybody else, she didn't know if there was ever going to come a time where they would have that safe space, for sure. Maxi underscore 53 in the chat says, had you heard of or seen Fear of the Walking Dead before you got the role? I had, of course, heard of Fear and the Walking Dead universe. I actually had not watched any of the episodes of Fear, though. I had 
Um, I think seeing a couple episodes of The Walking Dead. I mean, I definitely, I'm a scaredy cat, so I don't really watch any kind of like horror things. So um, I, I have not really watched a ton of it, but I, of course, knew about The Walking Dead universe. Okay, I have another question. This is from at Grimify on Instagram. If you could play another role on Fear, who would it be? Oh my gosh, that's a really good question. <laughs> There's a couple of characters that I feel like would be interesting, like, to play for a day. Probably Strand. I want to have that Strand vibe for a day, for sure. You have the Strand I style for a day, too. I Coleman is just everything. So, yeah, I would love to play Strand. Although, Coleman as Strand is just, like, nobody can can be that but i would i would love to to, to be strand strand has the, has best, the best lines line. he does have the best <laughs> lines style everything so. i gotta follow up on that is it because maybe is it it's like a huge departure from the kind of person you are and that you get to be this you get to stretch out your personality a little bit i think it also has to do with just the way that coleman plays him and portrays him he just has such a unique air about him and vibe that it's it's very different from a lot of the characters so I think he's very different from Charlie, although they are similar in, in some ways. I think they're all similar, to be honest, in some ways, but they also have a lot of different things that uh, differentiate them from each other. So yeah, there's something about just Strand and, and his whole arc and journey that I feel like would be really, really cool to play. Although I feel like every character I would love to like, just spend like one day doing each character and just like see how that feels. Like we could all just swap for a day. No one will notice. It'll I would be watch fun. that. Right. I, I would watch that show. I would, I would totally, I would totally watch, that. watch that show. Oh yeah, Freaky I Friday, sure. Exactly. Um, this yeah. is from at Tyler Philip Cox. He also has a podcast called Let's Talk About the Dead. He asks if you could cross over and have scenes with any character on The Walking Dead, who would it be? This is a really tough one. I'm gonna say I think I have to go with Negan. Ooh, I know that's probably Negan. like first strand now Negan. Okay. <laughs> Negan or maybe. Judith would be would be cool to see. I don't know. There's definitely there's so many characters that I feel like would be be really cool to see Charlie kind of interact with them. There's so many choices, but I would have to say maybe those two. But what do you personally see for Charlie's future? Maybe years down the road, is she a, a leader of this new settlement? Is she caretaker? Does she maybe she's a stealthy assassin? <laughs> That's a really good question. I think for Charlie, anything is possible because of of her, her her journey so far you know i definitely see charlie at least for the near future i guess we'll say i see her really growing into a strong protector she, she's really seen how the group has, has taken her in and protected her and i think she wants to to give that back so we really see her use her strengths and her her past to her advantage and she's learned a lot from from alicia I think we've even seen a little bit Charlie start to, uh, to dress like Alicia a little bit more. And we saw in 607 that Alicia was training Charlie how to kill walkers. So I think she would, of course, love to follow in Alicia's footsteps and be strong and, and a protector for her group. I think we will see some of that. Yeah, we definitely will see some of that. So we have another fan question at Ali Medina on Instagram asks, do we know Charlie's surname? She's also sending love from Spain. <laughs> Hi, uh, love to you too. We do not know it. I mean, at least I don't. Maybe Ian and Andrew do in their head. <laughs> we actually never even know if Charlie is 
her actual real name or if it's short for something. She's kind of has a, a very vague name situation. So we, we do not know, but you never know. I guess it could always be revealed in the future. Have you ever thought of what it could be? Like made something up for yourself? At one point, I think I was going through a list of last names and I was like, <laughs> I, haven't, uh, I haven't found one that I feel like fits yet. So if you guys have any ideas, let me know what I feel like would fit Charlie. Grind. <laughs> uh, I'm getting Dixon. Smith from the chat, a la Negan Smith. So. Oh, Smith. Like Negan Smith. Oh, oh, I see. I see. All right. I like those. Um, I have a fan question from Darius, who is at Mock J Grimes on Twitter. He wants to know if Charlie and Daniel are going to have any scenes together this season. So what I can say is there was a photo an image released of charlie and daniel at some point in the back half we obviously see that they are together at some point i i love their their bond and their dynamic originally you think that they'd kind of be an unlikely duo but they really just work so well together and kind of have that father-daughter vibe and protect each other and we are going to see like i like i mentioned charlie do a lot of protecting for for her and daniel the scene where Charlie was playing for Daniel, trying to get him to remember, was just heartbreaking. Yeah. That made me emotional. I walked it back, right? I know. Oh. I love Ruben so much, too. He's just the most incredible ever. I could not say enough like nice things about him. He's just a dream to work with, and we, we have a great time. And yeah, it's always just such a treat when I get to film with him. We have another fan question. This is from Michael and Lord Zachary. That's at Michael and Lord Zachary on Instagram. Okay. They want to know do you have any funny stories or pranks that were played on set that you can share with us you know it's so funny because i have gotten that question before and it's always interesting because i can't ever think of one like specific <laughs> like funny thing that's ever happened i don't think anyone's ever gotten pranked or pranked me or i've never pranked anyone but i should probably do that for the future because it would be fun but even though we film a very dark, serious show, a ton of our cast members are hilarious in real life. <laughs> and they're always just like lightening the mood. We're always cracking jokes. We do a lot of singing and dancing and laughing on set because you, you have to sometimes when we're in those really dark head spaces, it can get very intense. So I think we, we really try to keep it very light and fun and we're always having a good time. Although there hasn't been one like, specific moment it's just kind of a general theme where we laugh a lot on set even though you think we're all very like dark and intense and, you know, <laughs> very seriously and we are serious 99.9 percent .9 of the time and then there's that one percent of us just we love to, to goof around and have fun on set tom on the bridge is one of my favorite behind the scenes videos ever <laughs> oh, tom, tom on, the on the bridge yes <laughs> videographer for that. <laughs> around Coleman. He's always filming everything that happens. So he probably has a ton of footage on his phone of a lot of funny moments. So I'll have to I'll have to get some of that from him next time. That would, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes, I would love to see that. <laughs> what do you do in your free time in Austin when you're not on set? Well, for finishing season six, obviously not too much. Over the course of the pandemic, my, my dad is a bit higher higher risk. So we have taken it very seriously. We pretty much have not left our homes. So we don't really do a whole lot, but it was really great because AMC and everybody on Fear kept it so safe. 
and we were all getting tested very regularly throughout the week that it was just nice being able to see each other and kind of hang out with each other because we knew that we were all being extra safe and getting tested regularly. So we would do some kind of social distancing hangouts with each other and a lot of takeout. My dad was able to actually come with us to Austin this time, which was great. So just spending some, you know, more time mm. as a family watching TV. The days on set are, are really long. So generally on weekends or, or days off, we just kind of will go for walks around the neighborhood or take drives. So that was kind of kind of our thing. Kept it pretty chill. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> um, Max in the audience wants to know what is a typical day on set like? Typical day on set. That's a really good question. Generally, very, very early mornings. I think the earliest I've ever gotten picked up was, I think a couple months ago, I was picked up at like four, I want to say. Um, I was up at like 3.15 and that one, that was a long day. We all get excited if we're getting picked up at like 8.30. Like that's considered really early mornings. We do usually film pretty far out. You know, we're not filming in the city, you know, a little bit of a longer van ride and then we get to set. We get in our trailer, go through hair and makeup, put on our wardrobe. We'll go down for rehearsals and usually we just kind of block everything out, read through the scene. And then they set up all the camera, we get our mics on and we film for all day pretty much. We'll break for lunch. And then in between different camera setups, we all go back to, we call it like the cast tent. We'll all just hang out and talk and that's where we, we laugh and we play music and dance. So um, filming most of the day, take, you know, a lunch break and then go home. Sometimes, sometimes late, you know, if we're doing a night shoot, we'll, we'll get home really late. I think I got home at 4 a.m. once. It was one night, like a couple of seasons ago. It was a really, really late night. Yeah. Wow. We go for sometimes really late nights or really early mornings and the crew is so incredible. Everybody works so hard and a lot of long days and especially now, you know, with we have very new protocols. So testing usually in, in the mornings when we get to set or sometimes on our, on our off days, we go to production office to get tested. So things have changed definitely a bit now, but they've done an incredible job of making it so everybody's so safe, but you don't feel too weird on set, if that makes sense. You know, we still have our, our community and our, our fun energy, even though things are very different now. I've seen some of the awesome face masks that people have to wear yes, when they're not really shooting. Yeah, the those are awesome. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I remember the first time I got tested on set, I was terrified. I'm not the best patient, I will say. So I was very nervous, but now it's like every time we do it, I don't even think about it. It's just so like second nature now to yeah. do it because we do it so often. So that really has become a part of our routine. Um, I have another fan question. This is from Melania, who's also in the chat with us today. What has been your favorite episode of Fear to Film so far? Oh, I would say season four, episode 10, the uh, the episode I did Close Your Eyes in the, in the basement in the house with Alicia. That one is very special to me. But actually, to film, I'd say one of the episodes coming up in, in the back half. We I had seen a, your a favorite. ton of fun filming it. Nice. We had like, the best time. So that one was one of my favorites. I loved doing season five, episode 12, Nurta Mead in, in the synagogue. That one was incredible. The first episode I really got to do with Ruben, I think it was episode four of season five. One coming up in the, in the back half I'm super excited about. We had a great time uh, filming that. 
as if I wasn't excited, excited enough, right? <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. Right. The oh best God. is yet to come. Nice. <laughs> and then we go into do, um, ADR, additional dialogue recording. I get to see a little bit of the episode, and that's always the most exciting. So I see little snippets, but I'm very excited to see how it all came together. Uh, Last week, I think we had a watch party with Rebecca Punch, and we re-watched Close Your Eyes. How cold was that water you and Alicia were standing in? Very cold. Very cold. <laughs> we So the part we did in the basement, we actually filmed that in a, in a water tank. So we were in a, a, a big facility that was designed for that. And they built the basement. So you kind of, you know, walk down the stairs. And um, we had a, a water safety team all around this. And we actually had wetsuits on. So it was cold, oh. but it, we weren't, like, freezing. They made it very comfortable with us. Because, you know, we're, we were in the water for the whole day. You know, sometimes 10, 11 hours a day. But that was so cool. That's, like, I've never gotten to do anything like that ever. And I loved it. I know some people are like, oh, we're going to be in water. But I was like... Let's go. Let's go swim. Let's do it. So we had an incredible <laughs> water team and I felt very, very safe and I'm, you know, very comfortable in water. So I, I love doing that. Oh man. So you'd have to hop out and warm up real quick and then you'd have to jump right back in or did you just stay oh, yeah. in until the scene was done? Okay. So sometimes we would stay in if it was going to be like a short, you know, kind of period of time where we would switch. But there were a couple times where we would have to, you know, when we walk down the stairs and then it falls and we go back, we'd have mm -hmm. to do that over and over again. So we're not supposed to be wet already. So we'd have to go into a second uh, oh. change of clothes after sometimes every take because we'd get soaked after oh. we'd go into water and then we'd have to go wow. up, change into the second uh, pair of clothes and then do it again. Looking at it from the camera's point of view, behind the camera, there was like a very shallow area and a lot of people. So we just kind of hang out at uh, I just want to say, after rewatching that episode, you were amazing. For like the first half, you didn't say a word, but we knew every single thing Charlie was feeling and thinking. That means the world to me. You guys are so sweet. That episode is so special to me, and I love it. And I'm actually, I said, I think I, I said I was going back and rewatching season four, and I'm just starting episode <laughs> ten. Like my mom, we we all cry every. We've seen it. I could probably quote the entire episode. I've seen it that many times. <laughs> And it still makes us cry. It's very, very emotional. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much. I appreciate that. I just want to say as a, as a personal aside, it's literally one of my favorite episodes in the Walking Dead universe. So much so that I, I actually did the, I don't normally do the recaps in the blogs about this episode, but I took it upon myself to personally do that and give it some justice. And uh, not only to you, obviously, um, but to... Yeah, Alicia Denham Carey, Michael Satrasimus, Alex Sushitsky, who did some amazing, amazing DOP, and so much so that we actually sketched out some of the scenes, and it was great. Thank you very much. You know, that was really the first time that Alicia and I really got to bond because we hadn't worked together too much before that. You know, we do like a couple scenes, but that was really the first time it was just like the two of us together all day, every day for, you know, almost like two weeks, I think. And then from then on, we were like, super close and we just like uh, became i think when you're like in those conditions you just become very close and we were doing a ton of very crazy intense stuff together so i think after that experience we were just like very bonded after that tying all these these questions together being in the tank and having to sometimes maybe dry off and go back in did, yes. did you find that in some ways it, it took you out of the performance or because I know another question that was asked by, I think it was Daniel in the chat in, in light of being in the water and in, in the kind of body temperature, less than body yeah. temperature water, did that affect your performance in a better way maybe even or in a, 
a pour away? I think of anything better because it was just like such high intensity and we're in the water and when you're in it, like you're, you're in it. And I think we were really able to be in it, if that makes sense, you know, really in those very, very intense moments. And when we would get out of the water, we definitely kept it pretty quick. And, you know, we had our incredible director, Michael Satrathemis, and he also is, is very well aware of when we're doing emotional scenes to kind of keep it, keep it quick when we're in that very dark, intense state of mind. So there wasn't like a whole lot of like big stretches of time in between you know if anything we'd we'd run and we'd change our clothes and then we'd come back so I think Michael was incredible and in just keeping us in in that state of mind and making sure everybody else kept it pretty quick so we could really just stay in that moment and stay in that intense place. Rewatching that episode really affected me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that means my, a lot to me. My feelings for Charlie have been kind of all over the place. I mean, I'm definitely in, on Team Charlie now, but you were 11 then? I was 11 still, yeah. I oh, my son is 11 years old right now. So watching Charlie in these emotional scenes, I just kept seeing my, my son and it just affected me so much more. You know, oh the second time too. through too. <laughs> thank, you, thank you so much for saying that. And I know, I mean, I know your feelings with Charlie, like, and I'll never so much and, and change. It's so incredible when, when I hear stories like that about people who were like, um, I wasn't seeing Charlie and, and now I am. And it just, it warms my heart so much and just makes me so happy inside to, to hear that. So thank you. Um, I have a question from Katie. I am no one on Twitter. How would you describe Charlie to someone who's never watched Fear? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would describe Charlie as somebody who was thrown into this world at a very young age and got in with a group who basically brainwashed her and sent her into the stadium to get intel for them. And it basically, she was forced to make some really bad decisions because that's kind of all she knew before that. You know, at 11 years old, she all she knew were, were the vultures and their way of life and their lifestyle and how they deal with things. And she did some things that she felt like the right thing to do in the moment and after that charlie goes on a long journey of redemption and finding herself and growing up in this crazy world and and learning from her mistakes did you feel like mel and ennis really cared for charlie or did they see her more as like a, a tool that's a that's a tough one because i think they cared for charlie in the way that they provided food and a place to sleep for her. But I think they definitely took advantage of her, her innocence and her age and mm -hmm. kind of were like, well, we'll, you know, we'll throw the kid in. Let's, let's throw her in and kind of have her, you know, let her take the fall for it. So I think they cared for her in the way that they were, you know, adults looking after her, but I don't think emotionally they truly at the end of the day cared for her in the way that, I mean, I would describe caring for someone. Not the way Alicia cares for her. Not the way Alicia cares for her. Anybody else in the group cares for her now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it was like probably a big shock for Charlie coming into the group. Like, wait, this is how a group and a community and a family is supposed to feel like. Because yeah. I think she obviously had her parents before they died. But I feel like that was so long ago that her last memory is, is of the vultures and, and how she was with them. So I know she is just beyond 
happy and grateful to, to be in this group, considering what she came from. Max in the chat says, how do you act these emotional scenes so convincingly? Is there something specific you think about when you are supposed to cry? This sounds really weird, but I have always loved doing emotional scenes. I love getting to, to do very intense emotional work. A lot of the times, the scenes I'm doing are just like, all I have to do is say the words, and I have always have incredible scene partners. We kind of bounce off of each other. So a lot of the times just hearing them and hearing myself say the words and like picture myself in those situations makes me emotional. But sometimes that doesn't always work. So for me, I listen to a lot of sad music that I know gets me emotional. Think of things that have happened that have made me emotional. I think for me, it's just like an instinct. All right, this is it. Like, we're going to cry. We're going to do this. We got this. And I think for me, I just kind of like, I snap into it and I put myself in that position and I, I love doing emotional scenes. So maybe that kind of plays a part in it. Sometimes if what I'm saying isn't already making me emotional, I will listen to sad music or there was a time where like there were a couple scenes from TV shows that I knew made me emotional. So I'd go back and watch that. Sometimes reading emotional quotes or just kind of finding things on my phone and just uh, putting in my headphones, listening to music. If I know I have an emotional scene, and I'm feeling like the emotions aren't brewing yet, I'll just kind of put in my headphones and everybody knows when you have an emotional scene, like your castmates know you're not ignoring them. You just kind of like close yourself off a little bit and just get into that space. Do you ever have trouble getting tears to come out? Generally, no. I think I've probably had a moment where I was <laughs> like, why? Why aren't they coming out? But then eventually I have gotten really lucky when, you know, I've done emotional scenes where the tears have just come out. And I think it's a lot of times just like, all I have to do is like look into my scene partner's eyes and just like, I always am just, I'm so beyond grateful to have like my cast as scene partners in those times. And just the stuff we're doing is so emotional. Just like, I mean, I know there's some stuff coming up that I won't talk about, but there's situations <laughs> where like, I have to put myself in, in Charlie's position and be like, how would I feel if this was happening to me? And that's kind of where the tears come from, I think. Do you find it hard to shift back into reality? Is that something that stays with you or do you or do you kind of lose that easily? You know, it's weird. I can actually go in and out very quickly. And we've made jokes about this, like, oh my gosh, like, what's wrong with me? Why, why can I, like, go so quickly? Um, but I, I, I do think, I will say, not to, like, pat myself on the back or anything, but, like, I can, like, do a really emotional scene and then I'll kind of wipe it and be like, that was so fun, guys. So I, yeah, I don't know what that happened to me or why I'm like that. I, I'm starting to see why you embrace Strand now. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> right. Um, this All is right. from Robbie at TW Dead Daily on Twitter. If you could change one thing about Charlie, what would it be? I don't know if I would change anything about the current Charlie the season six version of Charlie. But I would say, I think looking back, I think I've noticed this even going back and watching season four and some of the episodes after, you know, the, the incident with Nick. I, I wish that she would have maybe opened up to somebody else about what she was going through. And she went through a time where she didn't want to be alive because of the guilt. But I also think she was just scared to tell someone. I think that's maybe not something I would change about her, but I wish she, I, I wish she would have talked to someone. There's been a lot of rumors about Madison coming back. <laughs> So uh, if Madison did come back, how do you think she would react to finding out that Charlie killed Nick? That's a tough one. <laughs> to be honest, it would be really interesting to, to see how that would all play out, especially with Charlie's current relationship with Alicia and how close they've become. 
and also with Strand and, and, and Daniel and Luciana. So everybody, I think it would be a really interesting dynamic. I honestly don't know. I mean, it, it would be in, intense, I feel like. It would be crazy. I think Charlie would be terrified. I think Alicia would step up and be like, hey, this is what went down. And, and maybe it would smooth it over some. Yeah. We're going to go from fun to serious here for a second. There is a toxic element to the fandom. We've all dealt with it. And we know that you have, especially. How did you handle the fan backlash at such a young age? And did it change how you dealt with fans and interacted with fans in any way? This is something that I've really tried to talk to, like as honest as I can about because there's no reason not to. It definitely was challenging. And I do not want to criticize or, or bash the fans whatsoever. I knew that the character was going to get some backlash, but I never knew that it was going to go to the level it did or that I, me personally as Alexa was going to get any backlash. Um, or any kind of hate or anything on social media. So it was intense. I'm the type of person where I want everybody to love me and, and, and love the character. So for me, it was really hard going on social media. And at 11 years old and, and seeing all these comments, we hate you, you're the worst ever, you should die, we don't want you here anymore. And it's like, it was hard for me because I'll say for the character first, just like everybody, we put in a lot of work and we put our everything into these characters. And of course you want everybody to, to love the character and, and think the best of the character. And that was something that I was like, okay, this is going to take some time for some people to come around. And um, that was something that I had to work on. But then it was really hard when the hate got personal and people were direct messaging me really scary things. And this was so new for me and my family. I'd never experienced anything like this before. So seeing some of these really intense, horrible messages come in about me, and that's where I think it got really hard for me. And it, it can take a toll. And a lot of times I have had to learn how to interact with the fans and, and be on Twitter and stay updated. But also I think I need to learn when it's time to put my phone down and not read too much because... Of course, I'm still going to receive comments about the hate, and I've kind of accepted it at this point, but I still don't love hearing it. So I, I definitely have to be like, all right, you know, it's time to, time to stop reading comments, don't read Twitter, but at certain times it can get toxic, and I think it did in this circumstance at, at certain points, but I've also gotten to meet and interact with so many amazing fans. I did Walker Stalker in Atlanta a couple years ago. And when I was invited, I actually didn't know if I was going to attend because I was really scared that either nobody was going to want to meet me or somebody was going to like come up to my booth and like yell at me or do something horrible. Like I was terrified. I agreed to do it. And I'm so glad I did because I met so many amazing people. Everybody was just so sweet and supportive. And I had a great experience. And I think that was the first time that I realized that there were actually people out there who embraced Charlie. And I left feeling so good after that. And I think it made me feel just like so positive after that. But I still have my moments where it still makes me sad when I read some of the comments. But just with anything, a balance of you know, staying on Twitter and staying active and keeping up with what the fans are saying, but also not reading too much. I think that's important. And of course, I wanted everybody to, to love me and love the character and think the best. But of course, that, you know, that wasn't ideal to the situation that Charlie was in. I actually met you at Walker Stalker 2019. We met at Walker Stalker, yes. yes. yes I we did. Yes. I've gotten to meet some incredible people. Like, you guys are just so wonderful and, and have been so incredible. And for every 
fan that doesn't like Charlie. There's a fan that embraces Charlie. And I have to sometimes, because even sometimes I myself forget that. And I think it's really easy to focus on the negativity towards it, that I have to remind myself that there are so many fans out there that embrace Charlie and just like so many people making, like, especially you guys, like with all the edits and everything. <laughs> it's, it's really like, I don't even know if people realize so much like how much of like an impact, a positive impact that has on me when I see those. Like I really notice every nice comment and I try to respond to as many people as I can, do as many reposts because every comment and edit and nice thing to say just means the world to me. As fans, part of our job is to balance out the toxic part of it. You can't do something about all of it, but you can right. be someone who is not that person. You can be the balance to that. Just be nice. I obviously like at a certain point, it's like, of course, people are going to have their feelings towards Charlie. And if somebody doesn't like Charlie, like that's totally okay. But it was when it was just like cruel things being said to me personally mm -hmm. as Alexa, where that's where I think it really started to take its toll on me well you're supposed to hate a character they're they're written that right. way so you hate this character but and there also, is no reason to yeah. bring the actor into it whatsoever um, it's like i was saying to somebody earlier you should love the actor even more for making yes. a character that you hate so much and also it's like i do have to remind myself okay people are feeling this way towards charlie that means that I did my job in creating a controversial character. And that's yes. where I had yes. reminding myself that. And like, you know, my parents would say that too. Like, it means that people are feeling something towards the character mm -hmm. and, and getting into it and having... Also, I see like people have like arguments on social media over how they feel. And it's like, you know, people are talking about Charlie and, and have their opinions. And it's good, I think, for me to see that people are feeling some way towards Charlie. What's great about we, what we do as a podcast is that or at least what I do. I don't know about everybody else, but I've made it a mission to actually take it all in, meaning all the hate, all the all the like and all this. And then I turn that up into my little brain. What I like to do on the podcast is always do a devil's advocate kind of thing. And from the beginning, even doing that, I always landed on the side of, look, Charlie's guardians were killed. Her response was, this is the only family I, I knew after the apocalypse. This is obviously her basically avenging her like brother slash uncle slash father figure. And you know, yeah. that's where I ended up landing on. I got a lot of hate for that too, but it's okay. It's yeah. good to have a good exchange of ideas. The, the whole point being there's a middle ground where you can talk analytically about a character and it's still have some sort of respectful dialogue and, and speak like a person's in the room with you. And I think that's very important. In fact, I want to jump off that onto just a little comment or maybe like a follow-up on this. On the podcast, we also talk about like silver, silver lines. What did we get out of this? What value did we get out of this experience too? In your own personal life, do you think that maybe it's in some ways has made you more resilient and has made you, has taught you like something, at least in education in terms of online experiences? And if anything, like, do you, do you find yourself feeling you've grown because of some of the hate that has been thrown your way? 100%, 100%. I think this experience all together like I've gr I know I've grown so much as a person from all of it but especially that and I also think it's made me appreciate all of the positive response like even more I've always appreciated anybody who supported my journey but I think now it's just like taken to the next level you know any every single compliment just like means everything to me so I've grown so much from that it's also helped me learn a really good balance with social media because I think social media Charlie or not can get toxic sometimes and I think it's good to learn that balance knowing when to put your phone down and go put your mind towards something else and how to block out the negativity and as an actor you know that that is essentially a part of the job you're always gonna have a hater somebody who doesn't like you or your acting and 
and that's okay and you have to learn how to not take it personally sometimes and realize that it is a part of the job and it's and it's okay and there are going to be people out there who you aren't for and people who love you so i've learned about balance with that and i've grown a lot and it's taught me so much so definitely yeah, and if I have any technical tip of any kind, I think you should block the site reddit.com. I think it's a great idea if you do that. <laughs> Reddit, that's a good <laughs> I, I'm guilty of going on Reddit and seeing some things. And it. I think sometimes with social media, like anything, it's like obviously curiosity because you want to know what people are saying, but also you don't want to like see something that's going to upset you. So yeah. it's kind of like a, a push and pull of figuring out whether it's better to look and know how people are feeling or just kind of stay off social media. And I think that's where the balance comes in. I'm not even anybody and I get hate. I get, I get hate all the time. That's not true. The, You're not. not no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not, you know, I agree I'm with just, Alexa. Just, that's not true. <laughs> you guys know what I mean. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a, a fan page and I get so much hate. It's crazy. It is crazy. crazy. So I can imagine what you, what everybody else gets. But there's also a good side to that. I mean, having fans that are passionate about the show is incredible. You always know they're giving you their honest opinion, at least when they compliment you. That's, the That's so funny. I recently said that too. With respect to like the, the Walking Dead shows, the bonus episodes, it, there was a little bit of a negative reaction. I said, well, you know, at least we know the general temperature of how people are feeling, regardless of the individual comments. For sure. You know, they're, they're, they at least tell the truth. So. Some fans used to view Charlie as a villain. Could you ever see yourself playing a truly villainous role on maybe something else? Definitely. And that is one of the other things, getting to play a character who has had so many like layers and getting to play that more controversial side and now the, you know, the other side of that. Like, I think it's, it's incredible as an actor when you get to uh, branch out and do different things and try something you haven't done before. So. I would love to do like the actual like real villain at some point full on and you know charlie's kind of like a halfway because you can't you know you can't really call her a villain now not so a i villain, think getting no. to do that on something else would be it would be a lot of fun for sure charlie's not a villain she's somebody who made a mistake she made a mistake she realized what she did you know she felt bad she made up for it but but to play a true villain would, what would be yeah. some challenges for you? It's so opposite my personality. I'm the very like <laughs> fun, giggly, and like, <laughs> at least I think I am. So I think it would be very weird to go like full on villain, but it's also cool <laughs> when you get to do something so different from your personality. So I feel like I would just like giggle sometimes when I would go to say something <laughs> that sounds very villainous. So I would have to control that. We interviewed Peggy Schott recently, and we were talking about her yeah. role that she played in The Debt, where she played a hit woman, and talk about, I mean, opposite, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that was incredible, too. So Yeah, it was great. Yeah. I can see you as a hit yeah. woman. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Yeah. She's already a little assassin. She's already a little ninja assassin. <laughs> That's right. She's already a little ninja assassin. We'll yeah. put that energy out there for a future. <laughs> yes. Um, Alania has a comment. She said, Charlie reminds me of Carol in a way you have to do what is needed when it is needed. And she, she did do what she felt like she had to do. You know, like like you said, you know, she lost her. her Nick killed her caretaker, essentially. You know, I don't know. If Maybe she considered him her big brother or uncle or caretaker, <laughs> you know, whichever. Him and Mel were taking care of her, you know, by providing her a home and food. And that's kind of all she knew. So I think she felt like that's what she had to do. She had to avenge his death. And I think she had like instant 
regret after she she pulled the trigger. So I think it was a, a very crazy thing going on in her head. But I do know that in in the moment she felt like that was that was the only choice. That's all she knew at that. Point. Okay, we have one last fan question for you. This okay. is from Thomas O'Mara at Celtic TSO. <laughs> he says he wants to expand his Walking Dead universe tattoos. Which Charlie image should he use? I like the one Rachel painted. Your season five poster. Yeah, yes. yeah I love that Ooh. one. Charlie in 607 when she's standing with Morgan and Alicia and uh, Dakota. Oh, yeah. And she just, and, and they're like, oh, you know, Dakota's staying here. And she just kind of straightens her head up and look. I love that oh, part. Yeah. She's kind of like, yeah. I'm staying with them. I like this one too. That's yeah. a cute little behind the scenes. And that's from, um, that, I actually just watched that scene. It's from episode. That oh, one. yeah. Yes. I like that. That's a good Guys, one. you're creating a lot of work for me, so please stop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tell Thomas the answer later. Perfect. That sounds great. Thanks, Alexa. Those are Thank all of our questions. So Thank you so much for being here and for giving us your time. time. That was the most fun interview ever. You guys are just <laughs> so incredible. Thanks. Thank you for all your support. It truly thank means you. the world to me. And I appreciate it. So thank you guys. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Everyone, thank you for coming. Make sure you check out Alexa's <laughs> social media. She is at Alexa Nicenson on Instagram and Twitter. Do you have any other projects going on right now that we should be aware of? I actually was doing a uh, voiceover show on Cartoon Network called Summer Camp Island. Oh, yeah. So definitely check that out if you haven't seen it. That's a lot of fun. And you're the voice of Alexa on that show, aren't you? I'm the voice of Alexa, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> How easy. We did have somebody in the chat from Australia. His name's Daniel, and he oh, just yes. recently had a birthday. Happy birthday, Daniel. I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I appreciate you so much. So, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything you want to shout out or highlight or anything that you, you want to just get off your chest before we go? Like anything at all? Honestly, just a big thank you to all of the incredibly supportive fans out there who have shown me a lot of love on social media and watching this and everything you do just means the world to me and all of your support. I see all of your guys' edits and comments and <laughs> I wish I could hug every single one of you guys and hopefully one day we'll be safe. Um, be a way for us. I appreciate you all so much. So thank you for your support. Thank you again so much for being here, Alexa, and giving us your time. Everybody watching, make sure you check Fear Sunday nights at 9 o'clock on AMC. You've got AMC Plus. You can watch it early. And depending on when this episode airs, you may or may not have seen the newest episode of the Fear the Walking Dead. So make sure you're watching. Yes. And Alexa, I hope you will come back and chat with us again after 6B so we can talk anytime. about Charlie. I would Please. love that. I will come back anytime <laughs> to chat. You guys yes. are so fun. Awesome. Thank you, thank you so, so much, much for coming, Alexa. Thank you thank so you much for coming. You.